Hi, I'm Pastor Nick with Grace Baptist Church. Thank you for joining us in our online service. If you're interested, we also offer in-person service every Sunday morning at 1030. We have Wednesday night activities for youth, kids, and college age every Wednesday at 6 o'clock. And there's food there. So, now, let's see what the pastor has to say. Uh, because of that love he has for us. And I'm so glad you're here today. And thank God for each of you being here. And pray for those. Pray for Robert and Cindy while they're away from us. Uh, I believe they're in Florida uh, this time. I, don't, I probably shouldn't be broadcasting that, telling everybody in the world where they are. But thank God for the fact they have family who lives right next door to them. So anyhow, pray, pray for them. Uh, but I thank God for you. And I thank God for your presence here today. There are a lot of other places that you could have been. But you've chosen to be here. Stan, it's good to see you. I'm glad you're up there. Uh, thank God. And y'all got somebody in between you, too. That's good. Uh, you, see, y'all miss that. Don't turn around. My dad taught me never turn around in church. I couldn't, I never could turn. I never could figure out why I couldn't. But all I knew was I better not turn around because I was going to get talked to after the worship service if I did so. But I'm glad you're here today and thank God for what it means to know and love him. We're going to talk about what it means to have infectious faith this morning. As we gather here in this sanctuary, uh, we could be on the verge of an infection breaking out among us. Are you ready for that? All right, you say you're ready for that, but I'm not real sure about that, all right? Because you know what we just went through just a couple of years ago? Remember what that was like? Remember when there wasn't anybody in this sanctuary at all? Remember all those people that died, the millions of people that died of COVID-19? Why did that happen? Because there was a virus that came into the lives of people. And that virus changed their lives. It changed my life, changed Karen's life. Do you know to this day, I don't think I've told most of you this, some of you know it, Karen, she lives with it every day. I can't smell anything. I can't smell anything. And so she saw me the other morning and she said, whew, you need to take a shower. And I said, I just took a shower. And she says, it sure doesn't smell like it. I've suffered through the effects of what it means to have COVID. Where we are in our relationship with the Lord and the message that Ron shared with us from Acts 20. I hope you have your Bibles open to that chapter. That's Acts chapter 20. Look in your Bibles. Trust, you can look up. This is faithful. I know that, that Nick's good at putting up what we put up there. But your Bible's where you need to look at this. Look in God's Word and you'll see the message of what happens to Paul while he's on the, in Miletus. And what he does is he calls for the church to come to him. And who does he call? Which church does he call? He calls the church of Ephesus, doesn't he? Because he has a special relationship with those people. It's not unlike the relationship I've developed with you over these last months. Because this is a special group that I know loves the Lord. And I know if I have a problem going on in my life, I know there's an issue that's going on in me and through me, that there are people that are in this room today who are not only going to be praying for me, they're going to be sending me letters. They're going to be calling me. They're going to be lifting up uh, the needs that I have to the Lord. And that's what we see, and that's what happens in the lives of those people who truly are infected by the good news. Because you can't help but having it once it's impacted you. There's nothing you, I'm going to say, there's nothing you can do to get rid of it, but we shouldn't be wanting to get rid of it except for this one thing. I'll tell you this later on. I want you to remember this. The whole purpose, the whole nature of the COVID-19 virus is to do one thing. 
Anybody know what it is? Listen to this. It is to replicate itself. That's it. You had it. That's it. It's to replicate itself. That we take that message that God has placed in us, the good news, the hope that is ours, and we re replicate that. We see that, share that message. I hate to use the word infect. That doesn't sound very good, does it? But to infect those people around us with the joy that is ours, with the relationship we have. And that's why Paul, do you understand now? That's why Paul wants those folks from Ephesus where he spent all that time with that church body because he knew that he was facing difficulties in his life. I know there's some of you here today who are facing great difficulties. That nobody, in this else, nobody else in this room knows anything about what's, what's going on in your life. Because you, maybe you've not shared that with people. We talked about that in Sunday school this morning. It's good for us to share those issues that we're going through. But sometimes it's really hard because there are things that we're doing that we don't want anybody else to know about. But to be able to share with one another as the body of Christ is the essence of what we are as the church. And that is why Paul calls to the leaders, to those leaders of the church of Ephesus to come and be there with him. The Centers of Disease Control, CDC, tells you all about, you remember this, things that you could do to catch, you know, if you still go there, you'll still find the, the, the message there on what to do. You remember how you caught, CDC told us how you caught the virus? You used to think it was all kinds of different ways you had to do this. You, had, you know what? There's one basic thing they said, and the message was pretty simple. It involved contact. It involved contact with other people. We'll talk about that in just a second as we get into it. But that was the essential thing. COVID-19 was not just floating in the atmosphere out there. You had to be in a place with people, and it was up close and personal. It became up close and personal when you touched somebody. It became up close and personal when you stood before somebody and talked to them. Because you know what you do every time you say a word? I can feel it, and probably Don and, and <laughs> you guys or Kevin are down here probably having to experience that right now. You can feel the breath of somebody coming on you. They discovered, scientists discovered that's how it's being spread. Or you walk into a room, and what do you do? I won't do it. You know, I, that'd be rude. I won't start coughing, but I could. If I start, I probably won't stop because I still have a cough from COVID that I haven't gotten rid of yet. Uh, but the message is it's communicated up close and personal. How does that differ from our relationship with Jesus Christ? What was it that Paul longed for from the church in Ephesus? Please write me a letter and let me know how things are going. Please give me a call on the phone. Please tell the other people in your group to pray for me. What did Paul want? He wanted those human beings that he knew were believers to be there with him through this difficult time. That is what we are to be as the church. And you need to realize that and experience it and know that in our lives that we are able to do something together that we cannot do individually. Jesus Christ leads us. He's the one who guides us. But what happens so often in our lives is that when we're with somebody and we're desperate for their help and their hope, my prayer would be that what we do when we're with those individuals as believers is that we let go and let God do what he needs to do through our lives. And that the words that we share, the prayers that we offer up, aren't simply coming from our lips. They're coming from God's heart to the need of that individual. 
and we show and share that message, that's the sincerity of what that personal relationship with Jesus Christ is all about. It's being lived out through our hearts and all that we say and do. And when one of us hurts, what happens? All of us hurt. When one of us rejoices, what happens? We all rejoice. And that is the nature of the body. But it comes to us through personal encounter. Not through long distance message. Not through reading. Uh, those things are important to us. But those are not the essence of what this relationship is all about. And that we know and see the results lived out in our lives. Remember the symptoms of COVID? If you've had it, I won't, don't raise your hands. But I bet you a lot of us in this room have had COVID. Uh, the last four years is now has it been. Remember? A cough, a sneeze, runny nose, aches, fevers, all that stuff. Remember all that? What are the things that tell the world that you and I have been infected by the love of Jesus Christ? Go over to Galatians 5.22. Galatians 5.22 makes it pretty clear. What does Paul tell the, the churches of Galatia? Here comes... For the fruits of the Spirit are love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, kindness, faithfulness, self-control, and gentleness. And then what does he say about that? He says against such things, you know the other things he mentions in Galatians 5 are the bad things. But all those things are a living testimony of what it means for us to show and demonstrate the love of Jesus Christ in our hearts. What good do those things do us personally? How do those thing, Im, things impact our lives? When I looked at that, when I was preparing this message, I began to think about it. Do I love myself? Well, yeah. Am I patient with myself? Well, no. Karen would say sometimes I'm not because usually I'll go, ah, that was my dad speaking through me when something didn't go the way I wanted him to. And then I'd say, oh, Bob, you know what I've done? I've changed that. This works better. I go, oh, Karen. Uh, <laughs> and Karen says, you're blaming me. And I said, no, I'm not. I'm just telling you, all right? Uh, but I, I believe I am blaming her just a little bit through, it, through the whole thing. But those things are not things that impact my life. What are those actions? What are those traits what do they do? How are they intended to be seen? They're intended to be seen through our lives by other people. That other people would recognize that we have been infected by the love of Jesus Christ. And how do they know that? They know it. There you go. We could sing that song. If Robert's here, he'd start leading us right now. Don could. And they'll know we're Christians. How? By our love, by our love, and they'll know that we're Christians by our love. All those songs that are so repetitive, sometimes we wonder why we ever sang them. But you know what? That message is so true. Those traits that are to be ours in Jesus Christ, those things that are to be evidenced in our lives, should be there to show that we have been infected by that love that he has for us. And that in that infection, we share his love with other people. And there's a living testimony that is ours of what Christ has done for us. And that we not only live it, which is an essential, is it not? Because people are always watching what we do, but we also share it. How did you get that? What was the first thing? Think about what happened three years ago. When you came down with COVID-19, there was a question everyone asked you, which was a terrible question to ask. Karen, what was that question? 
How did you get it? More specifically, who gave it to you? Did you hear that? Did you hear that question? I did a lot. Where did you get this? Did you get it at church? Did you get it at work? Did you get it at school? Did you get it wherever you were? Everybody wanted to know where it came from. With COVID-19, I'm here to tell you, that's not something that you probably ought to do when, you, when you're having a problem with a disease like that. You don't want to tell everybody where you got it from. But I'm going to tell you this. In your personal relationship with Jesus Christ, you better be ready to, you better be ready to share immediately why you are the way you are. Why you live your life the way you are. This is not because I'm a nice person. This is not because I try real hard. It's because my heart, my life has been given to Jesus Christ. And in that personal relationship, anything good you see in me is a result of his ruling and reigning in my life. That is the nature that is to be ours. And it comes to us up close and personal because of what happened in our lives. We recognize the gift that Christ has given us, the hope that is ours in him. And we see that lived out in Paul. Paul explains it. Look at verse 19. I serve the Lord with great humility and with tears. I think about that as I think about what Paul did. Humility, what does that have to do with what Paul did with that particular body in Ephesus? The nature that was Paul's, you think, anybody think Paul was not a type A personality? Don't raise your hand, all right? But Paul was that guy that was always out front telling everybody how to do and what to do and the way to do it. And if you didn't do it Paul's way, it was the wrong way, all right? You need to know that. But the message behind him was he recognized where his gifts came from. And he tells us that constantly, that all the stuff that you see, all the good things that you see, didn't come from me. What was Paul's, what was Paul's definition of himself? I am chief of sinners. And yet Christ changed my life. I'm here to tell you this morning that we see the impact of that change. We see that impact on the way that other people shared the faith that was theirs with, with countless individuals. It's Stephen standing up in front of the Sanhedrin. It's, 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 there you go, it's Philip going down to see the Ethiopian eunuch. That each of us look and see what we've been called to do, and then we do what Christ has called us to do. We seek to, I'm going to use that word again, we seek to infect people with the hope that is ours because our world lives in a hopeless nature, I think, right now because there is no hope. I don't know what to do. I don't know where to go. I can't deal with this situation. It's too hard for me. I was talking to Mike this morning about things that we deal with in our lives and too often, this is, the way, this is the way I can answer everybody. My problem is, I am always ready to fix everything. I have the attitude that I can do everything. There you go. I sound like Paul. I can do all things. And then I forget about what he says next. I can do all things through Christ. And we recognize that that change comes in us because of his presence in our lives. You don't get any more up close and personal than the relationship we have with Jesus Christ. We sang about that this morning. The songs that Robert picked out, Don, did you pick them out for us or did Robert? 
To God be the glory. Great is the Lord. He lives. I serve a risen Savior. He's in the world today. I know that he is living, whatever men may say. I see his hand of mercy. I hear his voice of cheer. And just the time I need him, he's always near. He lives. He lives. Christ Jesus lives today. He walks with me and talks with me. Don't think I don't know this song. Y'all know this song, don't you? How do I know that? He lives within my heart. Do you get any more personal than that? Do you get any more deeper in a relationship than that? To be in that heart and soul kind of relationship with someone? Some of you know what that kind of relationship is in a marital relationship. Is it always peaches and cream? Is it always roses and flowers and all the stuff? No, the answer to that's no. But there's a change that comes in our lives. We know as husbands and wives, as parents, that we have a Savior who loves us in spite of the problems that we have. That's what personal love is all about. That you understand where someone's coming from, but that more importantly, you know where the hope really lies. And our hope lies in a Savior who gave his life for us, who loved us so much that he gave everything he had for us that we might be able to come before God boldly because of his blood, because of his sacrifice, because of his life, death, and resurrection. Infection means that you're up close and personal. But there's another thing that we see about what infection does in our lives and the way it impacts us. We see the nature of that relationship again and the things that we do and how things spread. Look at verse 20 through 23 again. <clears throat> Excuse me, please. And now compelled by the Spirit, I'm going to Jerusalem, not knowing what will happen to me there. I only know that in every city the Holy Spirit warns me, prison and hardships are facing me. How many of you are ready to do that job today? See this? What does Paul say? Oh, there you go. Here's Bobby McFerrin. We were talking about this in Sunday school too. See, m most of you don't have any idea who that is. People a little older, people a little younger. That was the, don't worry, be happy, right? You remember that? And it just goes on and on and on and on. The message that I understand, and I know you get tired of hearing this one too, Matthew 6, 33, seek you first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these other things will be added unto you. And then there's Matthew 6, 34, Jesus says this, don't worry about tomorrow because tomorrow will have enough problems of its own. Folks, that's the life I live in. Everything's not going to be always fine. Everything's not going to be okay. And Paul looks at what God's calling him to and he's thinking, God, are you really sure you want me to do this? Is that what I want to do? And it goes against his better nature. It goes against the nature of those people who love and are concerned about him. What does he say? What's he say in verse 23? He says, people are all the time telling me, don't go there, don't do that. Does that sound like another relationship you know about? It sounds like what happened in Jesus' life, didn't it? Lord, can't you hear the disciples saying that? People just about killed us last time we were there, and you're looking at going back? And Jesus explained to them what God's plan was in his life, for his life. And he does the same thing and seeks to do the same thing in your life and mine today. He tells us, keep going. 
Keep going wherever you're going, wherever you go. That's the message he shares through us and the great commission that he shares with us. That we are to be his witnesses where? In Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And then he tells us this in Matthew's gospel. As you're going, while you're going, make a difference for me. Share the good news. Let people hear why you're able to deal with the situations and circumstances that face you every day. Because the world is being crushed by those problems and they don't have any idea. You've had somebody in your life or maybe you has gone through cancer. And maybe you're doing it right this minute. Maybe there's a problem in your life right now. There is someone who needs to hear from you and you need to say, you know what, I have victory in Christ because of what's gone through in my life and him. He has carried me through this. Maybe you know somebody that's an alcoholic. Maybe you know someone that is so deep in that relationship with that spirit that they can't let go. I'm here to tell you that I know a Savior who is able to take that burden from you. It's not that it's not there. It's always there. That need is always there. But now that spirit has changed. Now you have the spirit of the living God within you who is able to carry that burden, who is able to deal with those difficulties. And now you are in Mark, the gospel of Mark, with that Gadarene demoniac. Remember him? We talked about him last Sunday. They couldn't bind him with chains. They couldn't, ropes wouldn't hold him. He lived in the caves. He yelled, he screamed, he did all those things. And what was the one thing that was the end result of his encounter with Jesus Christ? Can't you see him sitting there with all those other people? And what does he say to Jesus? The first thing that I would have said, Lord, let me come with you. Jesus is all the time telling people, come, follow me. I'll make you fishers of men. Come, follow me. He tells that to Matthew. He tells it to everybody. Remember what he tells that guy? Stay right where you are. Stay right where you are, where you live. You stay among the people who know you because they're going to see the change that's come in your life through your encounter with me. That's what God is seeking for you to be living today. Your life lived out in such a way that the world would see Jesus Christ in you and know that there's a change that's come, not because you willed it, but because of God's love and forgiveness in your life. Take that message, share it, travel with it, no matter where you go, no matter what you do, be a living testimony of that hope. Be a living testimony of what it means to live your life for Christ in such a way that the world sees him lived out in you. And finally this morning, your infectious faith will truly run its course. Look at verse 24 again. However, I consider my life worth nothing to me if only I may finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given to me, the task of testifying to the gospel of God's grace. Does that sound like a eulogy? That sound like somebody who's wrapping his life up? Paul wrote the same message to Timothy. This, his dear son in the Lord, this young man who he loved, who he had mentored, who he had brought up, who he had sought to have understand what it means to go through the difficulties of life. <clears throat> and we see, <coughs> excuse me, in 2 Timothy 4, 2 Timothy 4, verse 6 and following. Listen to what he says. This sound like what we just read? For I'm already being poured out like a drink offering, 
and the time has come for my departure. I've fought the good fight. I've finished the race. I've kept the faith. Now there is in store for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award me on that day. And here comes, this is where we're included in Paul's message. Look at it. And not only to me, but also to all those who have longed for his appearing. What was Paul telling the Timothy, this man he loved so much? Here comes, are you longing for that appearing? If you're not, this is the opportunity to make it real in your life. Paul shared the gospel every place he went. What was the gospel, you ask? It's the message of God's redemptive love through his one and only son. That sin separates us from a loving and caring God. He loves us. He's created us. He cares about us. But the sin that is in your life and in my life separates. It's a wall that separates us from God completely, absolutely. And God cannot stand to see the sin that's in my life. And he hates it. But what happened over 40, how many years ago now? I guess it's been longer than that, hasn't it, Karen? It's been over, over 60 years ago. God explained to a 10-year-old boy how much he loved him, how much he cared for him. I loved you so much, Bob, he said, I gave my one and only son to die on Calvary's cross for your sins, that your sins might not be a burden to me, all right, basically, that your sins would not separate you from me because Jesus paid the price. He redeemed you for me through his blood. And through that sacrifice, he yielded his life completely that I, Bob Fulkerson, might have that personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And I've known that and I've seen that and I've worked to live that for the last 60 years. Christ calls us to run the race, to finish the race. But what happens in our lives is too often, and I think, think about our congregation right today, too often we get to the point where we say, you know what, I'm going to age out of this. There's a point in time where I won't be able to do what I'm able to do. I tell you what you need to do. I know you get tired of me saying this. Come to the food pantry. Come to the food pantry and see all the teenagers that are working there. See, I'm getting some chuckles from this side of the, the congregation over here. See all the 20-somethings that are working there. It's not that people sometimes that age don't do it, but you know what? If you don't have hair like mine or like Karen's, you probably aren't working at the food pantry. Do you age out of serving Christ? Do you age out of a relationship with a husband or a spouse? Do you outgrow that relationship? Do you outgrow that love to the point that you can say, you know what, I don't need this. I had this for 60 or 50 years. I don't need to do this anymore. Do you outgrow that relationship with Christ's church? Do you say, I'm just tired of listening to that Bob preach over and over about the same thing. I don't want, I want to go somebody else. Lord may take care of that sooner than later, all right? We pray that would be the case. But, but the message is, we don't ever age out. We don't ever grow out. Until we see the Savior face to face, until I come to him and I see what Paul says, now I see through that mirror dimly, then I shall see face to face. Then I shall know even, if I, even, if I, even as I'm known. 
that I'll know him. I'll understand that relationship. Because that's what it means to have that personal, up-close relationship with Jesus Christ. Here's the question. Are you infected? Use Galatians 5.22 as your rule. Take a look at that and see how it's going in your life. Are you living in such a way that the world sees and knows that this relationship you have with Jesus is real? Paul says, I have one thing to do. Acts 20, 24. To finish the race and complete the task that the Lord Jesus has given me, the task of testifying to the gospel of God's grace. That's an opportunity that every believer that's here this morning has. That's an obligation that every believer here this morning has. If you don't have it, you are not a part of God's kingdom. You are not a part of the body of Christ. If you don't know what it means to recognize that relationship, make it real in your heart today. Give your heart to the one who gave his life for you. And in giving, you'll know what it means to be infected through the love of Jesus Christ. Please join with me in prayer. Father, we thank you this morning uh, for your love for us. The overwhelming and abundant love that is beyond what we deserve. For I know what I deserve, Father, and it's not forgiveness, it's not mercy, it's not love. If I stand before you, Father, I stand before you only one way, and that is through the love and sacrifice of Jesus Christ. Father, there's someone here this morning who's never made that claim. Someone here this morning who's never trusted Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. I prayed you'd help them just to understand the meaning of these words. Father, I come to you right now recognizing the sin that's in my life. And I ask forgiveness. And I recognize, Father, there's nothing I can do to make myself right before you except to offer my life to you completely. Just like Philip did, just like Peter did, just like Paul did, just like Mary did. Each of them, Father, gave their lives because of the love that they recognized in your son Jesus. And I give my life to you completely. And I trust that gift that you've given me of your one and only son. That Jesus' blood on Calvary's cross was sufficient to cover my sins for you. And that's the only offering, Father, I can have. And I claim him as Lord and Savior. I believe, Father, that you raised him from the dead on the third day. And I look forward to that resurrection, Father, when he returns. And I know it's a reality. But in the present, I live in you right now through your son, Jesus. And I give it all to you. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank you for tuning in to another service with Grace Baptist Church. If you would like to contact us, all of our information is available on our website, gbcevansville.org. You can also contact us through all of our various social media accounts. Or you could just give us a call. We'd love to hear from you.